welcome to the Buff Show, 94.9 FM, AM 950, The Answer, Orlando. Spooky, scary Halloween coming up. We've got spooky school boards, scary spending plans. And if you're a liberal, don't be a Frankenstein. Go conservative where you'll be Franken-fine. On that horrible joke, let's bring in our first guest because we have breaking news on The Buff Show. Orange County Public Schools right here in Florida has pornography circulating through its classrooms from Central Florida Post. Jacob Engels back on the Buff Show. Great to see you, man. What the heck is going on in Orange County? Well, it's great to be back, and it's just really concerning, Matt. I mean, you see what Orange County is allowed in the library and in the classrooms. It's this book called Gender Queer, and it has pornographic images, depictions of, of sex, and very vile written descriptions about sexual encounters and sex toys. And kids as young as ninth grade are allowed to check this out of the library. And that's simply all I said at the school board meeting. I said, I want to read a passage out of this book. I start reading it. It was too graphic for the school board. Mind you, there were no children, no minors in the room. And they called the police to haul me out. Yeah, I saw the video. Misty's kind enough to send that over, but for crying out loud, they were quick on the draw. First of all, because of the mask mandates, I mean, these morons sitting around at that table at the Orange County School Board with their giant masks on six feet apart, not near anyone, putting all these draconian measures on the children. They're doing this. We've talked about the critical race theory that they're doing there. And now this vile book, we can't even read it on the show. We can't even read excerpts on the show. I know you and I were talking about that, but we can't because we have rules we have to follow with Salem Media and the FCC. But these are kids that are in middle school, correct? Kids in middle school and up uh, that have access to books like these. Yeah, and that's really the concerning part. You know, the parent that I talked to that brought this to my attention, they were obviously upset, but I kind of made a good point to them. I said, you know, aside from it being gross and sexually explicit and everything else, how is the school, how are the teachers supposed to know if you've had that conversation with your child about sex and about what it means to be intimate with another human being? They don't know that. So you put this kind of book in the schools and you rob the parents of the right to have that conversation with their kids when they're comfortable. And to me, aside from everything else, that that really is a crime. That should be something that's impeachable because I after they escorted you out, okay, the school board member, the, the chairperson was saying, Hey, if we didn't know about this, so if we find out this book is in there, we need to remove it. They're the school board for Orange County Schools. How would they not know that this was in? And the moment it was brought up to the attention, their attention by this woman who she didn't even want to come on the show. She's so upset about it. So I'm glad you're representing her too today. But they had to have known about it because the instant they should have heard about it, this thing should have been gone. There's a lot of cover-ups going on in these school boards. Yeah, well, and we talk about, as members of the school board, we don't know about it. You guys are the ones who enact the rules that schools have to follow from the principal down to the janitor. And to say you don't know about it isn't a valid excuse. No. Somebody at that school had to purchase the book, had to put the book on the shelves and it wasn't like it was buried in the back in a in an adult section if you will kind of like they do with some magazines at the grocery store or at the library uh or bookstore what happened was the student walked in and it was on prime display right there in the front shoving it down children's throats and it's you know under the guise of pride month and that's one point i made with the school board first thing i said is look i'm gay i'm a member of the lgbt community But this is just sick. You don't do this to kids. This is sexualizing our children. And, oh, oh, we know about it now and we'll take action. Well, that's too late. You're already a party to a crime. How did the parent find out about this? How did they find out about the book? Their child walked into the library. It was right there. They checked it out. It was brought home. And the parents are like, this is what they're allowing in school right now. This is what they're featuring. And the parents were so upset they came to the school board meeting. Yeah, in the name of Pride Month, 
And I appreciate you coming on the show, not telling me all about your exploits to try to convert me to be an acceptance person. That's what that book does. Imagine if you come on my show and you're telling me all your darkest secrets and I'm telling you all my darkest secrets. And we're just trying to, in the name of some beautiful edification, explain to each other. That's what that book was doing. When you were reading that, Jacob, it was flat out disgusting. I mean, the vivid detail they were going into. You know, they covered up a rape in Loudoun County, Virginia, in the name of Pride Month. As a gay conservative, what do you think about that stuff when you see that? It, it really just it disappoints me because we have the gay community say, oh, why people won't accept us. You know, we're marching down the streets half naked during Pride Month. We're engaging in all this behavior in the streets. We're pushing this stuff on children. And I sit there and I say, I don't accept you. I don't accept that. So why would you expect anybody else to accept it? And the weird part about this book, Matt, is I, I looked more into it and I was able to read some more of it. It really is disturbing because the the core uh, purpose of this book is it's actually a female who is going through some type of change and all of the same-sex interactions they're imagining with another uh, male are concocted in their head and live in this fantasy world. So not only is it disgusting that children can get a hold of that, but it's pushing this whole brainwashing uh, idea of, well, society says it's okay. Everyone else says it's okay. Oh, you should be this person or be that person and taking the choice out of the individual and out of the parent's hands. So it really, that level of it to me, I was like, this is already sick, but that's just even grosser. Have there been other books found because of this? Because of this one, have they have they looked into other ones? Yeah, I've I've actually had parents reach out to me uh, since the meeting on Tuesday. There are a lot of other uh, really foul books in in the Orange County public school system. And to me, when I'm reading that book, the first answer from the chairman Teresa Jacobs should have been, "Mr. Ingalls, where did you find that book? What school is that book in?" Do you have it? Can we get to the bottom of this? Not to tell me to stop reading it and ask the police to haul me out. And you mentioned the sexual assault in Loudoun County in Virginia. Well, guess what? That's not the only thing that's happening up there. This book was discovered there just a couple of weeks ago. So it it's all intertwined. It's unbelievable. Do you think Pride Month and stuff like that should be in schools at all? I really don't think so. Look, if you want to have a LGBT club where a student can opt in or parents can say, yeah, you can go to that club after school. This Maybe is okay. in high school. In high school. That's fine. That's fine. That's to each their own. But to be pushing this as an official kind of mandated curricula of schools uh, as early as elementary all the way up to high school really is inappropriate. You know, I, I don't want anybody to be pushing sexuality of any kind on anybody under the age of 18 that's the parents parents are responsible for you till you're 18 after that you go off and make your own choices but these teachers and we look at the mask mandates right and we look at the stuff and i was wondering you know you get to control the kids by the masks you get to control the kids by the content you're pushing on them do you get some sort of sick satisfaction out of controlling somebody else's child and i really think that's what's happening I think it is. The control is a, you get a thirst for it. When you gain yeah. some power, you get a thirst for it. And you're like, look what we can make these people do. And you made an excellent point too, because I want to, I want to talk about that. When it comes to sex education in the schools, we get a notification that it's coming, right? Which is very yep. good in Seminole County. So our kids miss that day of school. For us, when it, when we dive into the sexual aspect of teachers, and, and God bless our teachers, they're just doing what's passed down to them. They're trying to filter some of this stuff out. We got some great teachers. But when this is being forced on our kids, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever you're talking about, we try to remove our kids from that because it's our job as parents to talk about the kids, just like you said. Mm -hmm. So we're not only against this um, this situation you're talking about with this vulgar book. I mean, it was it was shocking how vulgar it was. But in all forms of sex education, we think it goes too far, and we don't want any part of it as parents. And that's our choice. If you want your kid to be subjected to that, then don't say anything. And I saw the liberals behind you, these leftist Snicker. nut jobs, and you even had to stop your speech. And I mean, they want you to be quiet about. It. They support this. What is wrong with people to support something like this? 
Well, in West Hodge, the chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, we were in line waiting to get in, and he began filming these parents, these very brave parents who brought this book as a way to dox them and to threaten them. And I turned around and I said, Wes, I'm reading these passages here. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And he immediately stopped filming because he knew he was busted and caught. And the other sick part is when we talk about the foundation of this country, Christian values, and and, and where we started as a nation, there was a, a man of the cloth outside with the pro-mass groups. And when the parents first brought this book to me, he leans over and says, it's a great book. I recommend anybody reads it. And then when I go over to him a few minutes later with the parents and start reading the passage and with uh, Willie Montague, who's a pastor. Yeah. And I said, oh, you're a man of the cloth. You said this is okay. Let me read you some passages. Do you want to know what this, this priest said to me? He said, well, you seem to be getting some enjoyment out of reading it. And I said, well, wait a second. You oh, said my this goodness. is good. And so they they live in this world where when they're caught, they project their sickness onto you, onto anybody that catches them. And, you know, at the end of the day, people need to tell Teresa Jacobs and the school board that they don't want this filth in the schools. And if it's too filthy to read aloud at a public meeting full of adults, then why is it okay to be privately consumed by minors? That's the point. Exactly. Right there. Hopefully you write this up on the Central Florida Post so everybody can check it out. Absolutely. This, and what did the police do with you after uh, after they took you out of there? You know, they, they, they dragged me out of there and I get it. You know, they're doing their job. But at a certain point, we're, we're seeing this in our country right now. I love the police. I appreciate them keeping our community safe. But I think they have a moral obligation in situations like that to say, mm-mm. This is this is not the time or place for you to use me as a Gestapo force. You're a school board member. You're not the police chief. So I, I think right. there are some instances where police really need to have some self-reflection. They do. The sheriff needs to pass down the word. And you yep. weren't doing anything violent except reading a book that was in their curriculums. <laughs> I mean, but it, that exposes them more, more than it hurts me. So so be it. Well, that cop was on you pretty fast. I mean, Jacobs really has a lot of control there. And, and you know, when we talk about supporting the police, I'm not talking about the ones that do stuff like that, throw parents on the ground at school boards, arrest somebody for not wearing a mask. Those guys don't support don't support those guys. They're doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. Try to shut down a church. I don't support you either. So the blanket statements, we're done with it. <laughs> Jacob Ingalls, what else you got coming up on the Central Florida Post real quick? Well, we're going to be publishing some, some stories about uh, Anthony Sabatini, Matt Gates. They're having a big rally on Saturday at JB Boondocks uh, Bar and Grill. Uh, we're going to continue covering the school board issue and just keep marching forward. Truth and sunlight, best best disinfectant. That's the best disinfectant for sure, for, for real life and for COVID. All right. Thanks a lot, Jacob, for joining us on The Buff Show. We'll be right back. You guys stay with us. On Saturday, October 30th, join Christians from all over Florida for the revival event of the year. The Black Robe Regiment is restoring faith and a fighting spirit in America. Be part of this new movement in an evening filled with inspiring music and powerful speakers, including Jenny Frederickson, pastor at Church of the Savior in Orlando, Florida, U.S. Senate candidate Luis Miguel, U.S. House candidate Tayeri Apia, Florida House candidate Drake Words and U.S. House candidate Willie Montague. The event runs from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday, October 30th at the Lake Eola Amphitheater in Orlando. Admission is free. Contact The Buff Show at info at thebuffshow.com for more information. Welcome back to The Buff Show. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Matt Buff, your host in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to be with you guys. Now, we've been talking a lot about the election over the last year. Over the last year, we've been talking about the election quite intrusively. No way that Joe Biden character, who is wrecking the country right now, got 81 million votes. That's insane. But there's more to the story than that. And we got to turn to our friends at the Heritage Foundation. Okay. Hans von Spakowski. The book is Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Hans, great to have you back on the show. I don't think, brother, I've seen you since CPAC. No, I, I don't think we have. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, as, as you recall, the whole reason CPAC was in Florida because 
they didn't have all the ridiculous rules uh, over COVID that that are up in Washington D.C., where 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 CPAC's usually held. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think D.C. is still pretty much a mess when it, it comes is. to COVID stupidity rules. But here in Florida, in most places, we're doing all right still, and we would love to have CPAC back here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be very nice. It'd be better than having it up here, actually. <laughs> you didn't mind the travel down to Florida? I, I did not, no. <laughs> oh, well, I bet not because it's uh, the weather at this time of year is pretty darn nice. So it's a good time to get away instead of getting all that snow and ice that you guys are probably going to get. But it's great to have you on the show. Um, let me give everybody a little more bra uh, background on Hans. He's a senior legal fellow and manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation. And the reason we're talking about this in the book is so important. He's been involved in the election process for three decades, right? Served as president right. advisory commission on election integrity and is a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission. So there's more to it than that. And uh, you got all the background and the experience we need to discuss this. But the book is very important. And you can catch it on Amazon, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Let's start at the beginning, because Election Day, Hans, used to be one day you go and right. you vote and you go in person, and we decide the election. That's why Ronald Reagan won, uh, what, 49 states? Because it was actually a clean process. <laughs> yeah, and, and states have been pushing. Now, um, there's just a handful of states that don't have early voting, which, of course, as you know, stretches the voting process over weeks, um, in some places more than a more than a month. Um, at the same time, they've been pushing people to vote by mail instead of in person, which brings in all kinds of uh, potential issues and problems. Uh, and the left has been working, as you know, last year in particular, to void out all of the basic safety rules that states have put in place. For example, you know, they hate voter ID laws. They want them banned all over the country. Um, and they also want states to put in, uh, they want to force states actually, to put in mandates which would make things much worse and much more dangerous like automatic voter registration, which would cause all kinds of problems. So the left has been working on this for a long time. They used COVID last year as an excuse to justify many of these changes. And fortunately, States have been fighting back. Florida is one of them. And in fact, Florida, as you know, passed some pretty good uh, election reforms to try to fix many of these vulnerabilities and problems. Well, let's just talk about the drop boxes for one. Dropping off your vote in a mailbox or something like that is just absolutely ridiculous. This yeah. ballot harvesting took off at a record pace in the last election. I mean, there was just no way. And then when you have state auditors not giving you all the information you need to do to a clean audit, what we've seen already has been very nefarious. But I tell you what, it's just unbelievable. And then, Hans, what were your thoughts when the, the federal government tried to do H.R. 1 to try to take over yeah, yeah. all the elections, which is clearly unconstitutional? Yeah, H.R. 1, fortunately, um, got filibustered successfully by the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Uh, a second version of it, uh, as you probably know, got filibustered just last week. They tried to ram through another bill. But all of these Democratic bills, uh, they're, they're monstrosities. You know, one was 900 pages. The one last week was 600 pages. And in essence, they would be a federal takeover of the running of elections. So the voters in Florida would no longer have the right through their elected representatives or through the referendum process to decide what the rules are in your state. It would be dictated from Washington and the dictates that were in this bill were bad. Like I said, one of the provisions in HR1 would have said, no state can enforce a voter ID requirement. So you cannot try to verify the identity of any person who comes in to vote. I mean, it, rules like that are just absurd, but clearly, would risk the future integrity of every single election going forward if it were to pass to be signed into law. It's it's just very interesting when you talk about the voter ID, and I know you cover this right. in the book, but uh, when I had a, a leftist on the show and he said, to, well, making somebody have an ID to vote is like a tax and you shouldn't be taxed to vote. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, that's ridiculous. You need an ID to do anything in, in, in the that's world. Right. <laughs> and so, right. so, so you're telling me you need a tax to go buy alcohol. That's a tax to, 
you know, go on a plane. I mean, that's all a tax. No, a voter ID, you know, if you get hit by a bus, a voter ID might help identify you. I mean, it's just a good thing well, to have. Yeah, well, it's not a, but look, it's not just that. But um, look, every state that's put in an ID requirement for voting has put in a provision saying, look, if you don't already have an ID, we'll get, get you one for free. And when I've been researching this, Matt, I've been pleasantly surprised at how few people in each state actually needed to apply for a free ID. Because, you know, you talk to folks on the left and they'll always tell you, oh, you know, huge numbers of Americans have no ID. Well, it turns out that is totally wrong. And it's because of what you just said. The average person needs an ID every day, everything from buying a beer to cashing a check to often getting something they need at a pharmacy to go into their doctor. I mean, you name it and you need an ID for it. You know, the other argument I've often heard made, and I, don't, I wonder if this guy made it on your show, was they say, well, those things, those aren't constitutional rights. You shouldn't have to show an ID to exercise constitutional right. Well, to go try buying a gun <laughs> and exercising your second amendment right without a photo ID or try to get a marriage license, which, you know, the courts have said that's a basic civil right. Uh, in most places, you can't get a marriage license without a government issued photo ID. So that's just a silly argument by the left. It is just a silly argument, because if you told them the same thing about the gun, you know what, you're right. Let's not do IDs for anything. So right. let's go all buy guns together and just get rid of IDs altogether. Oh, my God, they would be so hysterical about that, <laughs> wouldn't they? <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's just not have an ID for anything. And right. the reason you want it for the vote because votes the vote is one of the most sacred, one of the most important yes. things you can do as an American. So we should protect that. And for some reason, it's just not that important. We just to them, it's about holding power. Let's jump back into the book real quick, sure. Because and I do. We're going to post this on the Buff Show. I want everybody to check it out. The book is Our Broken Elections: How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. You have a whole section about the courts. Um, the courts changing rules. And, and like you said, in 2020, we saw historic court changing rules up right. till the day of the election. For years, the courts have been really trying to infiltrate based on the on the uh, appointee of the uh, court. Yeah, that's an, an unfortunate consequence. You know, what's these changes that the left wants to make, bad changes, um, when they haven't been able to get them uh, through the democratic process, in other words, convincing state legislators for, to do it, uh, they instead have been going to the courts. And what they do is they find liberal judges, liberal judges who instead of following the law and a state's constitution, instead say, oh, well, I like that policy outcome. I agree with the ACLU, so I'm going to give them what they want. And they basically ignore the law. Those are the worst kind of judges. But unfortunately, we have a lot of them these days, both in the federal courts and in state courts um, around the country, too. And that is using the courts to do that, to change the laws that have been passed by the legislature. That is so anti-democratic. And yet, as you know, Matt, they're all the folks that behind us always claiming, oh, you know, they're they're re they really believe in democracy. They 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 believe in. Uh, 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 the rights of the people. But in fact, by using the courts, one judge to dictate the rules that I can't think of anything more anti-democratic than that. Can you? No, no, not at all. Because it just reminds me of so many times in history where a state votes for something and one judge overturns it. Yes. A state puts something in place like the heartbeat bill in Texas and a judge tries to overturn that. Um, in Florida, they try to overturn so many things, not just with our election vote, but with um, mass mandates and all that stuff. I mean, right. one judge, depending on that's why voting is important, because you got to put in the judges that are going to look out for the Constitution in your best interest. Yeah, that is that is absolutely right. But look, at the end of the book, uh, Our Broken Elections, I mean, we we have a whole chapter devoted to uh, solutions you know, remedies, what what we think states ought to do, state legislatures ought to do to fix many of these problems and to do things like clean up their voter rolls and do a better job of taking people off who've died, people who've moved out of state to ensure that uh, nobody is, uh, that, that they're either not cheating by voting when they shouldn't be, or somebody isn't taking advantage of somebody who's dead and casting a ballot in their name. So we're not just 
we're not just identifying the problems, but we are uh, recommending fixes to many of these problems. And that's what we have to do. And we have to look at real solutions to fix these problems because it's getting way out of control. Everybody go check out the book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. This comes out uh, November 2nd on Election Day in uh, for yeah. old uh, Virginia there. Yeah, so the, yeah, the, the one-year, Matt, the one-year anniversary of last year's election. Can you believe it? it it's, it's been that long? I, I can't believe it because every day under Joe Biden seems like a nightmare <laughs> for this country. It does. An um, unending nightmare, unfortunately. Can you believe we're only 10 months into this ridiculous, horrific regime that's in Washington? I mean, everybody's paying the price for this. And yeah. this is what happened in Venezuela. This is what happened when elections are nefarious. Some socialist comes in there and wrecks the economy. And everybody's like, why is gas $4 a gallon? Why is right. bread and turkeys and all this? I mean, this is no different. And we've seen this in history, Hans, where this has happened. Something nefarious seemed to have happened. And then somebody with a rush pushes a social ag agenda. We, we're seeing that on a rapid scale. Um, it's just un unbelievable, the, the repercussions alone that we've talked about so many times on the show. Right. Well, Hans, thank you so much for joining us on The Buff Show. Hans von Spaskowski from the Heritage Foundation. We'll get you back on, but everybody check out the book. Very interesting stuff. Thanks, Matt. All right, we'll be right back right here on The Buff Show. Stay with us. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Welcome back to the Buff Show, Buff Show, Buff Show on this Thursday's Thursday's Thursday, right before Halloween. So great to have you guys with us. What's scarier mandates? We've been talking about that on the Buff Show quite a bit. Mandates coming down to scare everybody to think that, oh my goodness, if you don't get a mandate, you're a killer. That's just not right. It's just not right at all based on scientific evidence. Nobody did better to come on the show and talk about that is Ryan Helfenbein. He's the executive director of Standing for Freedom Center. Ryan, great to have you. Every Thursday we do a Freedom Foundation segment. Ryan, awesome. And uh, they're going to come up after you, but you're from the Freedom Foundation Center. So it's really cool that we got a lot of freedom on the show today. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, God bless our freedom. Uh, freedom comes from God first, not from government. And it's our freedom in Christ that sets us free, by the way. Uh, thank you, Matt, for having me on. Oh, it's great to have you. And uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to talk van uh, vaccine mandates today. And I want to get out on the asset, uh, outset that Ryan, like us, is not all about being anti-vax. We're not. And mm -hmm. my kids are vaccinated with proven fully approved vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. There's people right. that can be anti-vax. There's people that can love vaccines and fill themselves full of the Pfizer shot if you want to. We don't care. Yeah. Just saying, and Ryan, tell me if you agree. We're just saying the government has no right to tell us what we have to put in our bodies. Yeah. I, I want to be clear that there are risks to both getting a vaccine and not getting a vaccine. If people tell you there is no risk, if you're a pregnant mom out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you need to go to talk to your doctor, talk to your uh, OBGYN, uh, talk to them and, and find out uh, whether this could actually potentially harm uh, your child in development. Uh, th these are reasonable things uh, that need to be up for discussion between um, a, a individual citizen and their doctor. Uh, and so we, the reason we have HIPAA laws is, is for that reason alone. Uh, we have a right to privacy. 
Um, and so the government forcing these mandates, by the way, this pr- public-private partnership right now with these major companies, Johnson & Johnson, M- Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, this whole idea that the government is underwriting this, so they're promoting vaccines because follow the money, everybody needs to get one. And, 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 and if you look at stock and trade and everything else, uh, they continue to make more and more money off of these mandates. And so all I'm suggesting is that we allow people to do what we've always done in this country, have the freedom to choose what is best for their health. That is not an unreasonable request. Um, I think we're protected by both political freedom. I think we're protected also by religious freedom. Um, There are many exemptions that people already offer uh, for a polio vaccine and others uh, for for children. Um, And so parents can apply for those things uh, in the public education system and, and whatnot. Um, It should not be any different for COVID-19. And by the way, Matt, the the quote unquote health emergency uh, that is not actually an emergency. We have never risen to that level to have enforced these mandates. The CDC has proven that many public health departments, um, the, the, the mortality rate of this virus is very, very low. So, again, Uh, This is one of those things that begs the question, why such urgency to force everyone into these vaccines unless follow the money? That's what I say. Follow the money, follow the control, follow the election, follow a lot of things that says if we Mm. can control the population, we can do a whole lot of things. You know, let's talk about the science part first. Florida just came out this morning. Florida is tied with Hawaii among U.S. states with low COVID cases per capita. Mm-hmm. We're a free state without any mandates, wide open. The masks are coming off the kids. Um, they're already voluntary, but they're coming off completely on Monday. Yeah, we, we are walking amongst each other, going to football games, going to college sports. I mean, we're doing all these things. And it turns out there is, you're right about the emergency. If you actually interact, you'll actually be better off instead of hiding in your house. So uh, an open state doing very well because we have monoclonal treatments. We're keeping people out of the hospital. We're doing all kinds of things that help people on a daily basis by just giving them all of the information instead of just some of the information. That's right. That's right. And by the way, uh, environmental has a, a huge impact on communicable diseases. So when you think about the state of Florida or even Hawaii, these are states that don't have uh, particularly extreme cold. I mean, obviously in Hawaii, they have no cold season. Uh, when you look at Florida, Florida is a, has mild, very mild winters. Lots of people spend time outdoors. They get plenty of sunshine. By the way, I would tell anybody, and I am not a doctor, okay, but this is just this is just common sense. This is stuff that grandma used to teach all of us. Take plenty of vitamin D. Uh, when, when you go into the su- summer or sorry, the, uh, w- the winter season and you don't see as much sunlight, um, that does have, uh, an impact on our immune system. You know, if you take plenty of vitamins, uh, you're going to be fine, uh, in terms of boosting your just immuno health in general, uh, against cold, against flu, against all other kinds of things. This is not rocket science. It really isn't garbage in garbage out. If you don't treat your body well, uh, guess what? You're going to have problems, not just with uh, not just with 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 COVID-19, but with regular flu and anything else. It's going to be far more intensive uh, when your body um, comes in contact with any virus. Yeah, that's right. And for some reason, the CDC is not putting that information you no. just said on their website. Yeah, that's because right. They have they have to sell this thing. They need to keep it alive as long as possible. But the rest of the country has moved on. Let's mm-hmm. move on to the spiritual aspect of this. Uh, yeah. Romans 14, th- uh, 3 is something that you talk about. Cowardice yeah. is in violations of one's own conscience. Talk about that from just a faith yeah. issue. Yeah, from a faith background, look, hey, we're coming up on October the 31st. Let's all be reminded that October 31st, 1517, something happened that changed the entire world. Western civilization um, could not uh, be all that it is today if it was not for the Protestant Reformation, the Gutenberg Press, the rediscovery of 
the 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 sacred scriptures. Um, we, you know, we come from this long tradition of religious liberty that started with a Catholic monk that said, "Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me." And by the way. Uh, one of the key principles of religious liberty in this country is the binding of the conscience to the word of God, the binding of the conscience to the authority of God, making an appeal to a higher authority than a king or even a, a president or a ruler supreme. And that that appeal is to God Almighty. He's the one, the creator of heaven and earth. Uh, he's made us uh, in his image. And uh, so government, the heavy hand of government oftentimes comes down throughout history it is people of faith that is that has brought religious liberty to this country. I think of the golden triangle of freedom, virtue, uh, freedom. Um, you know, it, it all goes hand in hand, uh, virtue and freedom and then religious liberty. If you don't have those things, uh, any one of those things, the other is dependent upon that. So um, when you think about where we are right now in this country, we have to establish, reestablish, and remake the case, especially to a generation uh, that is largely biblically illiterate. A generation that, by the you know, many Americans will claim, "Oh, I'm an evangelical," uh, but they never go to church, not even for Easter or Christmas. But uh, because they're an American, they think themselves to be evangelical. Uh, they might do an invocation before a NASCAR race or a football game, and. Uh, because we do prayer at Thanksgiving or prayer here or there in public settings, that means that we're a Christian. Obviously, we know the biblical definition of a Christian is, is one who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. So um, when it comes to Romans 14.3, Paul lays down an argument for the church. He says anything that does not proceed forth from faith is sin. Uh, that's good enough for many of us in this country. Uh, if, if you, if your conscience says no, then you cannot go. And so I, I would say to anyone, especially who's listening to the show, Matt, uh, in, in claims, uh, publicly claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, do not play the coward. That by the way, my friend is a gospel issue in any context, no matter what the ethics are. So if you say, you know what? I, 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 I don't feel good about this. I don't feel right about this. I feel like I'm violating my conscience here. Well, absolutely do not play a patsy for somebody else, including your boss. And that is tough. I'm not, you know, I'm, I understand that. But if you've seen what you've seen in the news, uh, Southwest Airlines, other companies, uh, there, there are some NBA players, uh, the, the, the journalists with ESPN, many people are pushing back and saying, this far, no farther, farther, absolutely not. You have to pay the price of freedom, Matt, to ensure that we have it for the next generation. And that price is actually saying, no, I will not go along with this. I will not shut up. I will not be silenced. Uh, we, I'm going to make this stand. Uh, and again, uh, some people say, hey, look, you know what? I got the vaccine. I have no problem getting uh, the vaccine. Well, hey, God bless you, but but do you do you believe that people should have the right not to have their own conscience violated? Do you believe in that right? Many people are standing up and saying, you know what? I do believe that right exists, and I believe that we should hold that right for anybody else. So absolutely, I will stand up for the rights of, of others who don't want to do this and don't want to participate. Ryan, such great insight. We've had a lot of people, doctors, everybody come on the show talking about this, but not from that angle. The consciousness in relation to living in fear mm -hmm. and how we should behave. And that is why personal freedom, personal choices, just like personal faith matters. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to check out standingforfreedom.com. You'll find Ryan on there, Secretary Mike Pompeo's on there, Governor Mike Huckabee, Abby Johnson. Such a great organization. I want everybody to check it out. We're going to post the links. Mark, uh, sorry, uh, I was thinking, reading yeah. all those names and I keep messing yeah. up names. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on the Buff Show today with this insight again. We want, we're going to post the link for the show and everything, and uh, we really appreciate it. Matt, thank you so much. Anytime. God bless you. Really appreciate it. 
God bless you too. We'll be right back right here on the Buff Show. You stay with us. Since 2012, Cellular Tronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair and electronics repair. We fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. We also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up, back covers are only $120. We have two locations to serve you in Sanford and DeBerry. Visit Cellulartronics.com or call 407 407- 307-302-3396. That's Cellulartronics.com or 407-302-3396. Welcome back to the Buff Show, rocking along with you on this Thursday evening. And every Thursday going forward, starting today, means a big segment on the Buff Show from the Freedom Foundation. And we have a little problem in Florida we need to address. So I'm going to bring on Rusty Brown from the Freedom Foundation, National Expansion Director. He also previously worked in the Trump Administration Department of Labor. Um, We could sure use you back, by the way with what's going on with everything in this administration. But that's another topic for another day. There's kind of an issue with some money theft going on when it comes to Florida unions. Tell us all about it on the Buff Show. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having us on, Matt. Uh, We appreciate it. Yeah, like you said, Rusty Brown Freedom Foundation. Just a quick overview. Uh, The Freedom Foundation, our, our sole mission is we oppose government unions. And the reason being, if you cut through all the layers of propaganda in the private sector, unions are bargaining with employers over profits. On the government side, there's no such thing. You have budgets. So what do you have in that situation is an outside company, which is what a union is, a private company, with an incentive to grow the government. More, more workers mean more revenue for them. The only thing a government can do when it grows is find additional things to regulate. And that's that's private businesses and that's individuals. And we're opposed to that. So in June of this year, we announced our national expansion uh, in Florida. We're so happy to be here. It is uh, a priority state for us. And uh, yeah. in, in, in just looking around in the state of Florida, doing our research, uh, we came across a Florida has a unique law that requires unions to file for annual recertification, government unions. Yeah. So now the teachers have an additional requirement in that and that they have to report their membership, the total number of teachers that they represent and the total number of members. If that number ever falls below 50 percent, if the membership ever falls below 50 percent, it triggers a recertification process. What happens in that recertification process is they have to provide they have 30 days to provide a showing of interest. So basically, it's a petition where 30 percent of the teachers that they represent has to sign that they you know, still support the union. If right. they can't provide that showing, automatically decertified. If they do provide the showing, then it's going to go to an election. In the election, the teachers will have the opportunity to decide whether the union still serves their best interest and whether they want to continue to allow them to represent them you know, in their collective bargaining process. So. What we found in just doing this research, I was looking at, so I mentioned they have they have to provide or file this annual uh, recertification application every year. So it's, a, it's called a Form 1. They file it with the Public Employee Relations Commission, PERC. And what happens or what, what I found was some of these numbers were suspiciously close. You know, you have a number of teachers unions across the state that represent thousands of teachers, 5,000 or more. And they're reporting a majority by less than 10, less than 20. And that's not an anomaly. There's a number of them like that. And, and it looks suspicious. So through a series of public records requests, I found that the number that they report on their form ones with the state do not match what the district shows um, to be the number of dues paying members. So uh, basically, we, it, it looks like they're inflating their membership percentage to make sure that they don't trigger that process. Okay. So, you know, at this point, it, you know, we, we've sent out and this is breaking news that we're just telling you about. You're the first media outlet we've talked to this. So breaking Thank you. news for your listeners. Um, last week, we filed a series of complaints across the state of Florida with a number of different state attorney's offices urging them to investigate these reports. 
Now, on the form itself, it says lying on this form is perjury, and it carries all the penalties that a perjury charge would carry. However, under Florida law, falsifying a series of government reports for financial gain, which is what a union gets out of this, is a RICO violation. Okay, so you can bring them all in under the same crime. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, and these are all part of the same overarching Florida Education Association. They're all locals of the Florida Education Association. So, you know, where this will go, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but like I said, it, it was suspicious and it needs to be looked into. Now, this is where a problem comes in because uh, the, the law that, uh, that requires this recertification process uh, is fairly new. And there's this unintended loophole that the unions have found and appear to be exploiting. And that it's self-reporting. There's no systems of checks and balances. PERC doesn't have the authority to go investigate this or even compare, you know, with the district, whether those numbers are accurate. And it's also from there not clearly defined what happens to the union if they're caught lying on their forms. So that's an additional issue that needs to be shored up. Um, and, you know, we're hoping maybe maybe we can get a remedy for this, you know, judicially once it goes through the investigation process. Um, but most likely we're going to need to to see some legislation passed just to close that loophole. Um, well, absolutely. That's what I was going to ask you, because you filed the complaints with the state attorney's offices mm -hmm. across the state. What kind of feedback are you hearing? That's that's what I was going to ask. Is this getting to the governor's desk? So um, that's a good question. So we were actually I have not heard anything back from the state attorney's office. Like I said, this, these just went out last week. So. A um, little too early to have, to have heard back. Um, now, we were in Florida and we talked to a number of lawmakers up there um, on, on both the House and the Senate side and uh, about shoring up this legislation and about these complaints. So uh, presumably it, it's it's making its its rounds. Um, I know that, you know, we've done our part and, you know, we're going to continue to meet with as many, uh, you know, uh, lawmakers, you know, from from the House side, the Senate side and the governor and, you know, even the appropriate state agencies, you just make sure everybody's aware of this situation. Um, and to, on that point, there was actually a bill that was proposed last session that would have been a it was kind of a labor omnibus reform. Like it had a, a whole bunch of different labor reform issues in there. And in that was was a portion that would have helped to shore it up. Like it wasn't a complete overhaul, uh, but it would have helped. And it ended up, for, it seemed like it had a lot of support and it ended up dying in the last minute. Um, I believe it's going to be reintroduced. Uh, personally, I would like to see this portion of the bill pulled out and reintroduced as a standalone because to me, you know, and to, to all the lawmakers that I talk to, it's not contentious. Really, all it is, is is shoring up existing legislation and it's closing a loophole that they never meant to have there in the first place. Well, that'll stop some payments, though, so that it won't make them happy. But it seems like it would be kind of easy to find out how many teachers work here and how many government employees work here. There's got to be roles and databases you guys have access to for a FOIA request, for example. That's correct. Yeah, we do. And, and you can find all this information uh, through FOIA requests. <laughs> However, uh, you know, who who approves these applications is the Public Employee Relations Commission. And the law does not allow them to do that. So basically, it's just a if they report that it's over 50 percent, it's a rubber stamp. If they if they don't, then it goes to the recertification process. Uh, and there is a couple of unions that have gone through the recertification process. Um, I'm not sure of any that was uh, decertified, but I know one uh, which doesn't even <laughs> it's actually a local only, not even connected to the Florida Education Association. Um, but they've uh, gone through this recertification process every year and they've continued to vote in their union. Um, but again, it's it's not the political animal, the Florida Education Association. It's a local only that just represents their teachers. So it's a little bit of a different situation than what you know, what we're talking about here. But um but yeah, but but the, but the process does work, except for, you know, there's this loophole and, you know, it just we, it just needs to be addressed. Just fix the loophole. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty easy. <laughs> what else are you guys working at on at the uh, Freedom Foundation as well? So, like I said, you know, we started our national expansion in June of this year. Um, we've reached out to, uh, I, be I believe, as of the end of last month, 18 new states. Um, prior to this, our legacy states were down the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California. Um, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, we added Ohio and Pennsylvania. 
Uh, and then, you know, again, June of this year, we announced our national expansion. And our goal is to be in all 50 states within a year's time. So uh, we're, we're well on our way. We're getting there. Um, we're, we're nearing half. We're right at the door of half of the states. Um, and so uh, that, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're, we're going around the country and we're educating government employees that they don't have to be part of a union if they don't want to be. They do not have to contribute financially to these organizations, which are highly political. And um, I mean, if you can you can tra trace where the money goes, um, you know, they give these monies to the unions. The unions then give the money to the internationals out in D.C. And then they give that money to, you know, mostly Democratic candidates across the across the nation. Well, and they, absolutely. And they yeah. And they use that money to also, you know, fund these crazy political agendas agendas like critical race theory and vaccine mandates and trying to keep schools closed. And just the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, we did find out that the Biden administration was working with the National School Board Association, that union. So what's stopping them from doing the same thing with labor markets and labor unions? I'm glad, I'm glad uh, Florida, DeSantis was just out talking about this being they're going to keep the status of a right to work state. And that's what you're trying to get people to understand. They don't have to be beholden to the union. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's correct. That's exactly what we want people to understand. How can people exactly jump it. in and help out and where can they go to find out more information? So uh, our website that we use to uh, for our outreach is called optouttoday.com. And uh, basically you go on there, you just, there, a map will come up, you click on your state um, and then you, you know, scroll down and uh, find your union, click on that, put in your information and that's it. If you don't see your union, there's a box where you can just contact us or fill it out and we'll, you know, provide whatever resources necessary to, you know, make sure that they that they can stop paying union dues and not not be forced into a situation where, you know, a union's taking their money from them and, you know, they don't support what they then they feel like the union doesn't represent their best interests is what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also you can go to freedomfoundation.com to read about, you know, all of our different cases. We have, uh, I think, 65 or 70, you know, uh, court cases across the country. And um, there, there's a lot going on in the world right now in the in the labor union arena. It sounds like it. And I appreciate you coming on the Buff Show to break that news because that's a lot. A lot of people don't understand that. That's just an easy way to undercut the numbers and say, hey, we, we still need this. We still need these funds. I mean, it's just <clears throat> never put it past people to do something. <laughs> to benefit them. So thank you guys for being on the front lines of this. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. Rusty Brown. Thank you for having us. All Look right. We'll come back again. Oh, yes. We'll see you guys next Thursday for another case of the Freedom Foundation. So we can't wait for that. And that'll do it for this evening's edition of the Buff Show. Rusty, take it easy out there. And, Thanks, Matt. Uh, we'll see you guys at the, um, we got the Black Robe Regiment uh, Revival this Saturday, 5 to 8, Lake Eola Park. We'll see you there. It's the wife's birthday, so the Buff Man is out of here. God bless you and stay smart out there. God being patriot, pricing why they mad, cause I'm real and they be faking it. Free speech advocate, it's on my mind, I'm saying it. I'm about to buy another gun and ain't nobody taking it. Gun toting, Bible reading, God believing truth, speaking American, this magazine, Democrats committee.